Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnear Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. Welcome, welcome everybody to the Road to Blue Ox podcast. We're back again with a new fresh episode. Uh-huh, you, I bet you thought it wouldn't happen. Well, this episode, what do we got? We got a bunch for you. We're going to highlight some music from artists coming up this year like we always do. And our interview this month is with Lissy, very accomplished singer-songwriter and veteran of the indie music scene. She joined us from her farm in northeastern Iowa. We'll touch on her Midwestern roots, existing as social media guinea pigs. We'll talk about winter and cold. And we'll talk about popcorn, which I'm very excited to try. Uh, Nate, I've been excited to get emails also from our manager about potential gigs this summer. Yeah, we do have some fun stuff lined up starting uh, when July. Yeah, mid July, we have a couple things like confirmed, folks. Outdoor stuff that you know rolled over from the previous summer, and um, most of the stuff that we are getting is uh, outdoor stuff, which is understandable, but also awesome. People can get together safely, and we'll all be able to enjoy some some music outside, which is <laughs> what we all love anyway. Absolutely, it's the best way to enjoy this music in general. So it'll be well worth the wait. Look out for announcements from us. Uh, uh, they should be coming soon. We are lazy, of course, getting even more lazy as each month crawls by, but uh, we're able to bring this to you anyways. All part of the ubiquitous content. That's right. <laughs> I know you missed us. You miss our lovely voices, and you just you just pine for the next time that we can come at you in your earbuds. With our folksy Midwestern accents and our self-believed charm. Don't you know? I think we're all slowly growing insane is what's happening. Yeah, it's so cold you can't really do much outside for more than a half hour to an hour. And I don't want to clean, even though this place is a disaster. I just want to do this Michael Burauer puzzle and, you know, avoid everything. I've been really wanting to do a puzzle, actually. I got to go. I got to do some online shopping or something. We're almost done with this St. Paul one. People out there, if you don't know, Michael Burauer is a local artist here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And he does just kind of cool perspective, like pseudo characters of things. Look him up, B-I-R-A-W-E-R. He's got a studio in Northeast Minneapolis, but his stuff is really cool. And this one's cut into a puzzle. There's a series of puzzles that um, I'm not, Lee, I'm talking about this. <laughs> oh no, you're doing a puzzle without me? Exactly. He's like, I heard you say the word puzzle upstairs, so I came down. <laughs> Even if you don't recognize the artist by name, you'll definitely recognize his artwork. He's got just great pieces about all kinds of landmarks around Minneapolis and St. Paul area. So you've been doing some puzzles. What else you been up to these days? You got some ice hockey going on? I have been playing ice hockey, yes. I've, I've tried to fit in as much as that as I can. It's therapeutic for me. Um, also helps me enjoy the season, you know. Uh, I think we, we talk about it a little bit in our interview. Yeah, I really love the cold and how it just you know, snaps me to attention and, and hockey's great for that. You know, you go outside for an hour or two and just skate hard. Yeah. Anything right now to get the blood pumping is a good thing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
What about you? I did a Zoom concert. I did a solo performance for uh, the High 48s, our friends who are going to be at the festival this year and teaching the workshops we've talked about. They do a Saturday morning brunch that used to occur at Astor Cafe along the Mississippi River. It's virtual this year, and because of that, I was able to YouTube in and record a little solo set so people can check that out. The uh, the Bluegrass Brunch, right? Yep, High 48's Bluegrass Brunch. Hear me yodeling in your ear? <laughs> I don't yodel. Oh, what a tease! <laughs> I was trying to think of a good uh, euphemism for singing, but yodel is not a good one. Well, yodel's a specific type of singing, right? Speaking of which, one person I know that yodels pretty well, Katie Belleville. She's going to be at the festival this year. I wanted to feature part of a song that she recorded on a Prairie Home Companion with Alison Krauss and... I think Dan Tominski as well singing Where the Soul of Man Never Dies. This is one for the winter, knowing that spring is around the corner. My darkest night will turn today Where the soul of man never dies Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewells There'll be no tears denied That was Katie Belleville, a good friend of ours from Minneapolis, doing Where the Soul of Man Never Dies. She'll be playing this year on the Backwoods stage. We've opened that up for uh, some daytime slots so we can add bands and, and add more music and add more love to the campground. Check her out. We had talked about, if anything, um, doing a Jason Isbell cover together. Before we even knew that Jason Isbell was coming to the festival, uh, we had planned this for last year. Whoa! That was a giant truck outside my apartment, apparently. <laughs> that was sounded like a train, dude. <laughs> Crazy. What's going on out there? So we worked up a cover of his song Stockholm, which I just love. The imagery in that song and, and just the lyrics, he's so good. Maybe Katie and I will still do that, despite the fact that he's playing the festival. We might still do that cover on the Backwoods stage this Saturday. Good to have her there and good to see all this lineup. Everything is announced, right? Yeah, we have we have all the daily lineup announced now, so the specific schedule is, is yet to come, but the two and three day passes are available online and you can check out blueoxmusicfestival.com and figure out when the artists you're most excited to hear are going to be there performing yeah and i think three day passes are only like 20 bucks more than the two days so just come party all weekend it's worth it it's i mean if anyone if you've been there before you know how much fun it is and why would you leave and if you have not yet been there you're in for a treat it's going to be a really good year i think at the festival it's, it'll be memorable 
Yeah, and the Thursday, I really think Thursday is magical at Blue Ox because everybody's getting there and settling in. And once their camp is set, then they can come over and watch music until midnight, you know. The String Dusters are closing it down, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, Lily Mae, Julian Davis in the situation. Our friends from Arkansas, Arkansas and Kind Country, um, Minneapolis-St. Paul Band are playing on the side stage that that night we will have a backwoods stage that's like one thing that isn't announced is the thursday night late night slot actually all the late night slots we haven't really figured out we, we kind of play that a little closer to the festival so we'll figure that out yeah go check out the lineup i'm so excited when i look at this and that we might actually pull this off this year and get to do this is very exciting it is yeah in the pines and the website's actually really good it's a great place to discover all the artists that are going to be performing you just click on click on the band everybody's bio is there and is there's a video that you can watch that the band forwarded to the festival to put on this website specifically so just check it out i mean if anything you discover new music that you didn't know and that's what we're here for and that's why we do the festival and it's just constant discovery for us each year and it's so fun to be able to bring them to the stage and celebrate them live with you. So who else is going to be there we're excited about? We should play some music from Julian Davis. Yeah, Julian's been really busy in the pandemic makes, making sure that he's posting stuff. He always plays sweet old-time tunes and uh, yeah, just check out his, his social media is really good. He just keeps busy. Let's listen to a recording from Julian Davis in The Situation, a studio single released in 2020 called Somewhere Lonely. The TV's too loud, the streets are all too crowded. I'm in a cloud with too many people. Who I need a brick for the rest of my days. The friends that I've made here, I could stand to lose. Passing through the hours And I'm passing the days And I'm trying to get some sleep Trying to say something to you Trying to say me I wanna go somewhere lonely I wanna be by myself I wanna go somewhere lonely I wanna be by myself Also, we should play some John Stickley Trio. They have a new tune out called Future Ghosts. I remember being completely blown away by this band the first time I saw them. Uh, it was just like hypnotized by them. Um, and I'm excited to hear new music from him and see them live again because they are like so talented and very dynamic on stage. They're, they were really fun to watch. Yeah, and also we had them as our musical guest at the Cedar Cultural Center a year ago at the Winter String Band Gathering, an event we're gravely missing this month, but we are really looking forward to seeing them at the Blue Ox Music Festival. Here's Future Ghost from John Stickley Trio.
And that was the John Stickley Trio, a new one from them. Well, I'd like to waste no time. I want to listen to a song from Lizzie, an older one called When I'm Alone, and then jump right into that interview. I turn my back, you were gone in a flash like you always do. you're here thank you for joining us today my pleasure thank you for having me yeah it's great to have you on i've been uh digesting your music you got so much content out there i knew you had a lot of albums out man you got a lot of stuff out there and really well we'll start we'll just dial it back i'm gonna ask you briefly about i know you grew up in northern illinois northern and eastern illinois or western illinois right well i grew up in the quad cities so rock island illinois northwestern illinois just across the the river though from you know like davenport and bettendorf iowa so Quad cities, born and bred. There you go. Maybe you could talk briefly about music in your childhood. Maybe who influenced you, you know, how the roots took hold when you were a kiddo. Yeah. From as early as, you know, anyone has said, you know, I can remember. I was always singing and humming. And my grandfather was a barbershop quartet champion at one point, like an international champ. So he was always singing and he was a choir teacher and in musicals and so on. Yeah. And we're, you know, I grew up Lutheran. So like kind of everyone in the family at one point had sang in like a church choir. So we were kind of, you know, a musical family. And then my sister and I, when we were pretty little, like I was probably five, you know, my mom put my sister and I into like those kind of singing, dancing, acting sort of group show classes. From then, I just loved it. I loved to sing and perform and, um, and just, you know, just that was it. Like, that's what I always called to be doing with my time was just singing and for anyone who would listen, pretty much. So you kind of knew at a pretty young age that you were headed that way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, you know, my sister and I have been talking about that because she's a therapist and she does a podcast and I'm the youngest of four. And we kind of joke because she was like a better singer than I was. But I think partly because I was the youngest of four, it was like probably subconscious like move on my part to be like people will like listen to me and pay attention to me when I'm singing. So <laughs> I like sure, <laughs> was yeah. like hopped on that real fast because um, we had kind of a big loud family so right okay what kind of music did your parents play at home I mean I know you talked about like the choral and that sort of music but was there anything maybe they that triggered led you to the to the genre and like the music you make now or an artist or a specific album that anchored you and like sent you sort of on your current path 
I mean, I remember being little and my parents, you know, they would listen to like Motown, like the big chill soundtrack, that kind of era, you know, reminds me of like my my parents when their college friends would come home for homecoming and kind of like Motown. And there was maybe some album of old ballads. Uh, I remember this song striking me so much at a young age, like the uh, why does the world go on turning? Why does the sea rush to shore? Don't they know it's the end of the world and ended when I lost your love, which is like a really kind of sad, heavy song. But even as a little kid, I remembered feeling that like in my heart or something. So I think just that kind of like feeling of of really like expressing yourself and your feelings through song, like sure beyond like my parents i don't know i mean i think for me it was like once i hit high school well when i was like sixth grade junior high it was like all about like grunge and then i kind of got into metallica but then i got like really into sarah mclaughlin and like cheryl crow so it's really like all over the map but i'd say like i came of age in high school you know i graduated 2001 so like early high school there was like fiona apple and liz fair and sarah mclaughlin and cheryl crow all these tori amos like all these great really female singer songwriter instrumentalists so i think that was an inspiring time to be like learning how to play guitar and stuff yeah oh yeah true i remember that pretty pretty well as well just like i was so i graduated in 97 and it was sort of you know we had the same same sort of time frame there and uh yeah it was kind of like when like lil fair was really hitting and oh uh, yeah I yeah. went. I went to yeah. Lilith Fair. It was awesome. <laughs> it's so good. In uh, near you or Chicago? Or? Yeah, we. Had, so I grew up like a few hours from Chicago. So like, if you ever really did anything major, you'd go to Chicago. Um. So yeah, it was just I think Tinley Park. I don't know if it's still called that, but yeah, just outside of Chicago. Yeah. yeah. That's a formative experience there. Travel to travel to the big city and see one of your heroes perform. Yeah, because... absolutely. It's like I had two older cousins who were living in Chicago and I have an older sister. So like it was the four of us. And it, yeah, it was just super duper fun. And can we remember what I wore? Like just all of it. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what did you wear? I, like there was this sort of like style at the time. There were like those skirts that kind of looked like tapestries that were like kind of hippie. It was blue and kind of tapestry looking it had some like little elephants on it and it was like almost like a tapestry but there was like a tie and you could put it through a hole and kind of tie it at your hip and it was like a skirt and i don't know it was you know kind of like bohemian or something so (laughs) sure So you talk about, you know, you have deep Midwestern roots, like you mentioned, and you grew up by the same river that we did. Yeah, the Mississippi. Uh, yeah, miss. And uh, maybe you could talk about what those things mean to you and how they're reflected in your music. Yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest with you, like, I think about my childhood and, like, playing by myself, spending a lot of time by myself, kind of living in a place where, again, being the youngest of four and my mom had other stuff she was maybe doing, like, living in a place in a time where, like, I could legit, like, go out into the woods for the entire day and no one would know where I was and then like come back for dinner. So, I mean, I I remember just even like that vibe of like growing up kind of in a small city. I remember being bored a lot. And so I would, and there weren't a lot of other kids in my neighborhood. So just kind of having to like use my imagination to have fun, kind of just doing my own thing. And, and that, I think I would like make up songs then 
you know, then though by high school, I got kicked out of high school. Like I felt like such a weirdo being in the Midwest when I was growing up. Like I didn't feel like I could be myself. And so when I left the Midwest at 18, I was like, this place sucks. I'm never coming back. But then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, I felt like, you know, and it's like pretty traditional and like the patriarchy and all that. I don't know. And I probably had kind of a bad attitude a little bit too. But um, just like, I think then I went out into the world for 10, 15 years and realized how awesome like even just like the mighty Mississippi and and being from like the heartland and missing its humble beauty and the landscape was something that even when I lived by the ocean in California like I still preferred streams and ponds and lakes and rivers and stuff you know so I think it wasn't till I got older that I like really was like glad that I grew up in the Midwest and I you know was still best friends with all my best friends from preschool and kindergarten and I'm really close to my family and and so on I think like definitely to just the nice thing not like oh I'm so nice but I think there's like a a kind of like a a character that I think generally like people want to be kind and helpful and honest and you know, when I was navigating the music industry, I definitely saw like that that's not how everyone is. And you can't can't maybe assume that everyone's going to behave from that code of conduct. So I came to appreciate the Midwest a little more. Yeah, actually, I'm living in California right now, so I can relate fully to what you're saying. It's it's a different world. It's a different world in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, where in California are you at? Are you in Hollywood? North Hollywood, actually. So in the valley. Oh, nice. Oh, it's like negative a million degrees here. So I'm I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, this is the one time of year where I most appreciate living here. But the rest of the time, you know, I really I, I crave being by the river and being back home. And it's just there's something so comforting about the Midwest, you know, Minneapolis, our, the, the community of friends and family there. That's I haven't found it anywhere else in the in the world, really. It's a special place. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think people feel that way, maybe too, just like where they're from is like always in some way home. But like, you know, even as I say that about, oh, it's negative million degrees, but even this winter, like not traveling and because of COVID and just being here more. I mean, I'm like looking out my window, the sun's out and there's snow everywhere. And I've really tried to just embrace winter this year. And I've really actually found like, I think there's something really great about having really harsh, distinct seasons. It's like good for the soul or something. It's necessary. And I could not agree with you more. Um, My dad just sent me a picture of his new driver's license. He's a snowbird and he, he goes down to Fort Myers and he sent me a picture of his new license. And I was just like, oh man, I feel a loss, like a loss for like, I mean, I get it. You know, he's 70. He's, he's gone through so many winters up here. And, and I imagine maybe when I'm older, I will have a different perspective, but I just, I can't imagine not going through a winter. And I truly love this deep freeze that we're having right now. Like there's nothing like the crunch of super cold snow under your boot when you're walking outside or like that harsh bite of an inhale in your lungs or your nose. Yeah. It just reminds you, you are not as powerful as nature and you are, you're just a little thing in the world. I don't know. It can easily pass you by. And if you, you just got to take stock and appreciate what it is. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Actually, I hadn't really thought of that. I mean, it is humbling because you're like, I could literally like die if I go outside for too long. (laughs) So you're kind of like 
<laughs> have a little more reverence for how kind of like, yeah, not powerful you are. I see that. You got to be hard. I'm happy to, to hear you're like trying to embrace it too. And your, and your, uh, your Instagram story from the other day was great. Too. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed um, listening to your boots crunch under the snow and like, you know, you acknowledging the fact that your hand is like red and cold and you had to like come in, warm it up, you know? Yeah, I know. Like one of my best friends from kindergarten actually called me and she was like laughing so hard at really just what a dork I am. I kept being like, <laughs> okay, let's go outside. And then two minutes later, I'm like, okay, I had to come back inside. Like I was starting to get like hypothermia and frostbite. <laughs> Yeah, then Instagram's so funny too, because like I used to post more, but I just feel like it's such a combative place now. Like I'll put stuff up a lot and then I'll just like take it down and just be like, I don't want to expose myself on here. But, you know, yesterday I did do this whole long story and it's just, it is well, really pretty though. Like you look around and it's like, ah, oh, it's so cold, but it's like the sun on the snow is just like really something special. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I play hockey outside in the winter. I love hiking by the river. I guess I'm in the minority. Everybody always tells me I'm crazy, but I know there are other crazy people out there like me and I always hope to convert them, but you know, I, I very have very little luck in doing so. Yeah, well, you know, and where I grew up in Quad Cities, like it wasn't a place where people really like dressed for the weather. And so I think there is that energy of, you know, people would say like, oh, I'm cold, but like you wouldn't wear like a coat and then you'd complain it was cold. Sure. <laughs> I tour in Norway a lot and I noticed there they have that saying like there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing and how people there really do like spend time outside like what winter's a season that you engage with. And I, I feel like once I moved up to northeast Iowa where I'm at now, it's like I'm closer to the Twin Cities and it, it seems more like that up in the Twin Cities. Like it's a season where people really do just like they dress for it and they get outside. And I think that's like probably the best thing you can do for your circulation and your health yeah you really need it it's yeah it's either have to you know join it or or it will break you to some degree but it's it is a it's a great point of demarcation on the year it's like the reset button that i think everyone kind of needs on their psyche and if you don't have that you have to do that in some other way
mentioned also in that Instagram story that there's no more nuance in the world. I would love to hear you speak to that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a tricky thing to discuss, really. And I feel like I, my thoughts inside of my brain are so smart. And then when I try to say them, sometimes they don't make sense. But um, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's been such a politically charged four years. I, w- I had read something the other day, you know, with all this conspiracy theory stuff, like, People would rather believe that, like, elites are eating babies than believe that, like, their labor is being exploited. Like, we live in a crazy time where it's, like, fact is up for grabs, da-da-da. But, like, even that aside, the new, I don't know. I mean, with the nuance, it's just, then cancel culture. And it's, like, I'm I'm liberal and I'm progressive. But I think that it's, like, you have to be so careful that you say something. Even if you're on the same side as someone or you share their viewpoint, You if you don't word it right, like, people are just waiting in the wings to, like, cancel you or, or shun you or shame you. And I don't think anyone, like, grows or learns from being shamed. You know, I think it's a time of people having to have more understanding of why people come to the conclusions that they do. And, you know, I feel I've lived in Southern California and I've lived in the Midwest. And I think like, you know, coastal elites or whatever can be really snotty about the Midwest. And they can talk a lot about things that they have no firsthand knowledge about. And at the same time, like I, I, I align myself more with like a progressive viewpoint. So, you know, it's like you, you can't appreciate police officers and, and say that they're, you know, disproportionately murdering black people and that black lives matter. It's like you're be- always being asked to pick a side. And I think there's more nuance than that. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, really. I, I just read a good op-ed about canceling um, classic literature being canceled. And, and, and made me think about um, music and, and other forms of art that are potentially canceled because of the artist or because of the time they were, the, the setting, the time you know, et cetera. And it's just, it's troubling to me too, because where is the, where's the critical thought around it? We don't, we don't need to embrace it, but we don't need to cancel it. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dancing around that too. And it's hard to find a good middle ground. Yeah. And I mean, I think that there's like ways for society to be able to like have conversations about things that are pretty messed up. But I mean, you think of a lot of people just grow up believing what their parents believed, what their grandparents believed, what their great grandparents believed, or they had a culture or religion or an absence of any kind of culture or religion or, you know, and it's like certain people make, you know, people make mistakes. A lot of mistakes are absolutely unforgivable. I mean, we have a lot of work to do to like, be able to humanize every single one of the people walking on this earth like we all they were all human like there's a lot of dehumanizing going on and we're collectively ill to treat the earth how we treat it because it's our source of like life and i mean i it's like i could jump from topic to topic but yeah it's like uh I don't think it's helping anyone just to say like, okay, that makes people feel uncomfortable. So now we're going to like cancel that. I mean, I don't have a good example. I think that there are certain situations like rape and racism, you know, there are so many things that, that need consequences, but I, yeah, I, it's like, it's one of those things I get tongue tied just trying to talk about it. Sure. Well, I think, I think you're spot on with saying, you know, the conversation needs to be had. You can't just, you can't just cancel it or write it off. You need to like, you know, or pass judgment. You need to actually like explore these issues and these topics and uh, and hopefully we can grow and heal from them instead of bury them and pretend they never happened or whatever yeah and i think that we're also like the guinea pigs of social media and fake news and also like the human condition is to kind of like drama and 
excitement. And so there's like kind of all of these things that are happening right now that I think like 20 years from now, we'll look back on and be like, wow, like that was like really psychologically torturous. What we kind of all went through together. Really? I mean, the guinea pig thing too is really a good point. You know, like we've not ever kind of experienced this sort of connection to everybody else this ease of connection it's it's at once unifying and isolating and it's very bizarre to be in yeah it really is it's like you think you're gonna go out feeling more seen by using it but it may just end up making you feel less seen and less understood right and more self-conscious even you know yeah and more like shamed and yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know. I don't know if anybody really does, you know? Yeah, but I think anyway. it's important to have those conversations because, like, even, I'll, like, you know, I have an example of, like, a friend who I've met through moving back to Iowa and living on a farm who it has zero political compatibility. Couldn't be, like, further apart, but because, like, there was some stuff at my farm that was happening and I got to know this person and someone I would never meet in any other circumstance. And I and I found them to be, like, a really, really kind, helpful, interesting knowledgeable person who like, you know, had all of these generalizations about like, you know, hippies or liberals and stuff. And, and I hoped that in time through my actions, that maybe I could change his mind even a teeny tiny bit that like, we're not all like awful, you know, just but not because I was constantly trying to like change his opinion, but just because we could like focus on things we had in common. And like could see that some of his his views on things, you know, like if he'd been in Vietnam and when he came back, like the the hippies were spitting on him and that really like traumatized him for life. And it created this like forever stamp of like people who remind me of the people who did that to me. I will not you know, I will hate, you know what I mean? And so it's like we all go through life like having all these biases because of things that hurt us throughout our life. And, and and it's a longer conversation than uh, we're going to have now, but I just, I find it interesting. Like sometimes people just come to the wrong conclusion based on like their own wounds and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I find it hard as a, as a musician and songwriter really trying to walk that line. And like, it's hard for me now to sit down and write a song without trying to include all of these concepts, you know, like I really need to like shrink it down to a pinhole every time I, every time I want to express myself and hope that I'll land on a new way to present it or something, you know, it's just, it's like a challenging time right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think I, over this, I went through this pretty like awful breakup and, but it was like, kind of like I can't write about my breakup like there's so much more important shit going on in the world or I mean I don't know if that's your point but it's like where do you even start like we're in a pandemic like right you know there's like so much going on like the political life is just absolutely bonkers and so it's like I'm gonna sit down and write a song about my breakup and you know you feel like well I can't do that right now I don't even know where I'd start yeah 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 at the same time, like I, I need music. I need to play. I need to practice. I need to express myself. So it's just going to happen the way it happens, I guess, no matter what. Yeah, you should definitely write that song, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I've started to sort of realize that sometimes you can write about one thing and it could mean something else to someone else, depending how you word it. So I have been writing more, but I mean, just saying, maybe I kind of veered off your point, but, you know, yeah, just with everything that's going on, I think trying to be creative and write, it's like, where, where do you even start sometimes? 
Yep, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. So you recently put out a new album of covers. Is this a pandemic project or is this something that you've been working on? Or can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, um, it was a pandemic project. I mean, it was actually sort of similar to what we were just talking about, where I um, had not really felt like writing, but was also like going through this a breakup that was to me was shocking and there was betrayal and, and it was in the middle of pandemic and it was like, you know, just the news around me and everything was just like so intense that like my system literally like my nervous system was just like fried. Like a lot of people's where I just like I couldn't I didn't even know where to start. I was just like feeling like so, so much pain, like the world was just this place that was just full of pain and cruelty and didn't really sure. see like a way forward or you know, and now I'm feeling fine, but it was just kind of this period of time I was going through. And as I was grieving, I was listening to a lot of Spotify playlists. So like Bloody Motherfucking Asshole and Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. And these songs that I felt like were expressing the things that I was feeling, you know, not only in this relationship ending, but just in this pain that was around me just in the world. And, and so I sort of just quietly, like I went up to Minneapolis, which is kind of my like, you know, hub now and found a studio and laid down some guitar and vocal tracks. And then wasn't sure like that anything would come of it. It was more like just a way to feel like I was staying active and I was, you know, making plans and setting goals and seeing things through. Cause obviously yeah. like none of us have been able to really work this year. So it was a way for me to like quote unquote work. And then uh, a guy named Kurt Schneider, I work with out in LA. He, I sent him the the songs and was just like, you know, what do you think of these? And so he recruited uh, this drummer, Aaron Sterling, who's just a brilliant drummer and a guitar player named Dave Levita. And they basically like overdubbed everything based on these vocal files I'd sent. You know, when he sent back what they'd created, I'm like, damn, like this is really pretty fleshed out. Like this sounds like we were in the room together. So, and in the meantime too, I'd been gardening a lot and this year I grew a ton of flowers and I had this whole like hillside that was full of sunflowers. Um, and so I called it thank you to the flowers because that for me was like the most healing thing this summer was like watching things grow and being able to actually be there the whole time and watch it progress from, you know, seed to flower. Yeah. And I think that there's so much hope in that. There's like this Audrey Hepburn quote, like to plant a garden is to have hope for the future. And you do, you like, you might be stuck in some place emotionally, but then like when you're growing things, you know, in just a matter of weeks, like you go out there and you're like, holy cow, like, look at you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Where did you come from? It's a miracle. And it just kind of brightens your day. Like, it's like magic every time. Um, and so I had this group of songs and a girlfriend of mine here in Iowa came over and took some photos of me in front of like the sunflowers. Actually, once they'd kind of died and I still had another kind of sunflower that I picked that was still alive. And we did this like photo shoot. And, and so it just kind of like quietly, organically came together and I didn't make like a huge thing about releasing it but it was just it felt nice it felt like I was able to get some stuff off my chest and express myself yeah well it sounds great thank you for putting that out oh well, I'm so happy to hear that thank you I'm glad that you like it yes and truly thank you for the Martha cover it's so good yeah well you know and with that too because that was very much about this breakup but then like as time passed it was about the president and it was about like how we treat the earth and it was and then my friend made this Talon made this gorgeous 
music video for it, which I think takes the song like 10 times higher because when you watch this video, it's almost like this song is like Mother Earth, like being, you know, like stop treating me like shit, basically. So I felt like there were a lot of layers to that song. Yeah, that's the space shuttle video. Yeah, like the space shuttle and sort of like this like out in space and then kind of by the end of it, it zooms in and just shows all this life on Earth. And and, and it's just it's so beautiful. He's a talented creative guy and the video made me even more excited about putting it out you talked about bringing vocal tracks to a producer and then and then having other session musicians kind of flesh it out in the studio even in a different city uh you know with your pretty extensive music catalog now is that typically how you record you kind of you know you have like the maybe a guitar and a vocal idea and everything gets tracked on or do you kind of have a sense uh, you know a sound that you envision that you're going for and and piece it together or are you working you know closely with producers or how how do you go about uh, recording the music that's in your head and getting it out to the world. Yeah, uh, you know, it's changed a lot. I mean, the kind of long story short, I mean, I started out as a singer-songwriter, played acoustic, rhythm, guitars, songs, you know, just made up songs in my own. And then once I was signed to Columbia in the UK, I was on Sony from like 2007 to 2015. So once I was on a major label, and more or less, they were like, nah, your songs are just not really that good, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, they weren't bad, but they didn't have hooks. You, you know, it was like they weren't sure. going to cut through. Like, they were nice pieces of my expression for what it was worth. But they were like, so I started doing a ton of co-writing, you know, with people who wrote with, like, Adele and, you know, so forth. Like, there's sure. kind of these go-to songwriters. And so I was in London a lot back in 2008. And was doing a ton of co-writing, you know, where I wrote a bulk of like the melody and the lyrics, but also still like had people to sort of nudge me in the right direction or suggest different chords. And, you know, so I was very much a, a part of like the writing, but was co-writing a lot and being kind of led a little more. So like that being said, so my first album, I mean, Sony paid for it. So that one was I lived in a house with the band and we tracked live and then overdubs came later second album similar maybe a few more overdubs that happened after the fact but by the time i put out my third and my fourth record i was independent and which which was great in a lot of ways but then i had to get a little more clever you know even purely from a financial standpoint which does not sound very like pure or creative but the reality was like it's not really cost effective to like hire a band to hang out for two weeks and rent a studio and do everything like you know figure it out in in as a group with that energy that's like so magical um right but it's also more challenging in a way that could tap into some different creativity you might not have found otherwise yeah i mean i think there's probably ways of doing both i mean i know i once before i decided to move back to iowa and i left california i mean part of the reason i moved because i basically had like a panic attack for the first time in my life because i rented this studio and I was like paying everybody and and we like went in and like the producer didn't like any of the songs and then left and oh crap and then I was still yeah. on the hook for like paying everybody and you know, paying for everything and I'd been dropped and it was like oh it's too much pressure and and you know like you could you could do that and do all that and then like walk away with like nothing special so I think finding ways to like I have pretty go-to people that I write with and we usually create some sort of feel and demo just on the computer and then, you know, maybe you take that to someone else and then you do call in a couple players on one day to sure. play it. 
But um, but then maybe you go back to your respective states and after the fact, like you're just emailing overdubs and they're getting yep. edited in and produced. And yeah, so it's kind of throughout my career been been a little bit of everything. But, you know, more often than not lately, especially with COVID, it's kind of like a virtual affair. Yeah, it is. I think it's maybe there'll be more music that's easier to be produced or maybe it's, I don't know, like it's somehow the landscape is going to be different after all this. I'm not quite sure in what way, but it's cool to hear your process anyways. When you're scratching out original song ideas, are you typically with a guitar and a notebook or you lean on a piano or you kind of jump around and just see what tickles your fancy or? A lot of times, you know, since the dawn of voice memo and iPhone, a lot of times I just kind of throughout the day have a lot of little songs that pop into my head and so I usually just sing into my phone and if there's something that I thought like oh that was good you know I'll revisit that try to figure it out on the guitar half the time I can't even figure it out on the guitar so then that's when I'll sort of show it to someone else that I write with and 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 then maybe they help me build a chord progression around my melody and my lyrics. So, but if I were to just like sit down, you know, I don't really play piano. So I would, I would sit down at my guitar okay. and write that way. Cool. That's, that's a great window into your process. Thanks for that. Yeah. You know, I actually did like a zoom co-write today and I was thinking it, I've been doing those for a while now, but like the first time I did it, I was like, this is stupid. But now, <laughs> <laughs> now I really like it. It's like, it's better for the environment probably too. I mean, I miss people, but think of all the trips I took to write that probably I could have just sat in my living room and saved the gas. Yeah, that is, that's a good point. Connecting with people is actually pretty easy and we could have done this all along too, you know what I mean? Yeah, all while wearing our slippers, you know, like it's a it's a different world. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely didn't even like brush my teeth or my hair before I did that session. So. <laughs> I mean, what a luxury. I know. Well, I know Justin had some questions he wanted to ask about your farm, and I'm also quite curious about this. It's I'm super envious. Living in L.A., of course, like I'm looking for the first opportunity to get the hell out of here and move to the country, and like you've you're living the dream for me right now. You mentioned flowers and sunflowers. Do you cultivate and sow anything else? Yeah. Okay. So the farm thing. So I always had this romanticized idea that someday I'd like have a farm in Iowa, like Bridges of Madison County, or you know. Field of Dreams or... Um, well, you've already achieved your goal. Well, yeah. Well, yes. So the... Ro- you know, I say this too, because like the romanticism is for real still here, but it's worn some because the reality is like it's a lot of upkeep to own a farm. And I knew that. And there's a lot of dumb stuff I've done that I realized I could only learn probably by ma- making mistakes and messing up. So I try not to beat myself up like, well... That's how you learn for next year. Like you did that wrong. Like you planted those trees too close together, whatever. But yeah, so I have, I had about 47.7 acres and then I um, actually just sold off some of them to sort of do a swap for some that are closer to me. And I just, when I, when I moved here, I rented out all my tillable land and was in corn and soy initially. Um, But then worked it out to just do alfalfa and, and do hay and rented it out for that. And then beyond that, then started doing this sort of crop share lease where like I would split the cost of the hayseed, the alfalfa, and then also would then get half the profit of the hay, which would like go to auction. And, you know, my, my neighbor slash, you know, the farmer, he, he kind of handles a lot of that stuff. So, you know, that's all the way it's been for the past few years. And then I have a little house and then I have my garden and, 
you know, every year I get a little bit better, know a little bit more what I'm doing. I took a master gardener class this year through Iowa. So I'm like an intern um, master gardener and uh, <laughs> which I don't know how much I even really remember. Um, but I have a dog and she is a big bear. She's your livestock. She's my livestock. <laughs> and, you know, I had someone keeping bees here for the first few years. So that was fun. Like I got to learn a little bit about it slash like was sort of. You know, I have a pond on my property and was also like kind of thinking about oh, what can I grow that the bees are going to like. And, you know, I don't mow a lot of areas anymore. So there's tons of wildflowers. So there's tons of milkweed and, you know, the things that people were concerned about going away, like where I'm at. I'm I kind of have a buffer around me. So I've got, you know, tons of Queen Anne's lace and chicory and uh, milkweed and all these just beautiful things that come out and I think make the pollinators happy and um I've planted probably around 100 trees since I moved here, and the deer have eaten a few of them, but now I think I've got a hang of caging them. So that's sort of what I do here, but I couldn't do it without, like, the community and, like, bartering and hiring and so forth. Like, a lot of stuff that gets done is, like, not me doing it, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's part of, you know, life in a rural setting is leaning on your community and everyone kind of pitching in. And that's that is the romance that still exists of uh, life in the country. Yeah, and I do. And I really do feel that. And I think like it's, you know, where I'm at in Northeast Iowa, it's kind of a mix of people who, you know, different political leanings and so forth that maybe don't even get discussed half the time. You know, I think I don't know why I even bring that up. Like that's not even part of it. But I just do think it's like people are helpful and they're kind. And, you know, I think people take a little bit of advantage of you if you don't know what you're doing. Like, like, I didn't even realize, like, how hay was made when I moved here. So I'd be, like, asking people to come, like, hiring them to come cut my grass. And they'd be, like, bailing it and selling it. And I had no idea. <laughs> but then I learned. And then I – now we can laugh about it. Um <laughs> I didn't know where hay came from. Like, you know, I really knew nothing when I came here. You were a hay hay seed. I was a hay hay seed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now you're a master master gardener. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of that's the silver lining of COVID is like you can take the, you know, you used to have to go in person, but it's through Iowa State Extension. And it's like, you know, whereas yeah. you would have had to go in person and in the past I would have been touring, uh, but it was all virtual and they did a really good job and it was super interesting. Like you just read a few chapters every week and I don't know how much I retained, but even down to just like insects and which insects go through like a complete life cycle and what kind of like mouth parts different insects have and pathogens on plants and yeah and all, all those resources are still available to you as uh, as an alum yeah i mean anyone i think the, anyone in the in the country could just go on their state's uh, extension yeah. website and sign up for master gardener I mean, it was, it's a lot of information. You do have to take a test at the end, but yeah, no, it's available to anybody. Cool. Yeah. So anybody listen and you go to like, I think university of Minnesota probably has something or. Oh yeah, they definitely do. So that kind of leads me to popcorn. Can you talk a little bit about the popcorn venture that you are involved in? Yeah. Um, so my friend Diane, who's kind of like, I was like a fangirl when I met her. So she started seed savers. 
and um, is just a brilliant woman. She's an author and started Seed Savers with her late ex-husband, which is just a gorgeous, phenomenal place. They basically have saved all these heirloom seeds and and now are keeping them, you know, preserved so they don't go out of existence. Um, sure. Yeah. And uh, so her and I have become friends over the last few years. And this summer, I mean, it was like May. It was like right when I got back to Iowa after quarantining with my ex-partner. And it was like, whatever, not getting into that. But I was like in a pretty fragile shape and was back in my kitchen back in Iowa like settling back in like okay like here we go and I was telling her like you know I want my farm to make sense like I don't really know why I have it <laughs> like you know and it, it'll be years slash who knows if we'll ever actually even grow the popcorn here but I see this place as like an ever-evolving like passion project and if, if at the very least I plant a bunch of trees and take good care of it that'll be enough but was like you know I've always wanted to start a popcorn company but like the thing that'll be cool about it is that I want to call it indie pop like independent pop music which is kind of what I do and each flavor is going to be like a pop flavor so it's like you know you'll have dream pop and folk pop and pop rock and country pop and <laughs> yes and classic pop and like k-pop and all you know all the kinds of pop like in time like you know so dream pop is this caramel corn and folk pop is this like nutritional yeast, like savory corn. Um, so I'm telling Diane this and she's like, I've always wanted to do my caramel corn, like which is her family's like long held secret recipe and call it Ops Pops, which is like a family name. And so we're like, well, why don't we just like do it? Why not? Like, let's just go for it. And so we call it Ops Pops Indie Pop, which is a mouthful. So that's actually our ta our tagline is Ops Pops Indie Pop. It's a mouthful and a handful. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also because like I was always told that I was a handful my whole life like I have a complex like I'm a lot like I'm a handful so that also I worked that in there um so it's hot pops indie pop it's a mouthful and a handful and we have dream pop is caramel corn folk pop is my savory nutritional yeast kind I think our next like flavors will be like country pop and and classic pop like probably do a cheddar just classic cheddar maybe do like a maple bacon so we like pop and prepare this corn in a commercial kitchen got our license and our labels and our bags and so it's in its like infancy and there's still a lot to figure out but like we became like certified this December and so we put 100 bags of each flavor online in December and they sold out within like 24 hours so wow right on. um yeah <laughs> yeah I know it's exciting I mean it's definitely going to take time to be profitable or, you know, there's a lot of things to figure out. But my dream really would be that it's really successful and that I could actually grow like we could grow some really special heirloom varieties of corn here at my property yeah. and even like turn my dairy barn into a commercial kitchen in time. Or, you know, I, I get ahead of myself. We're like, I could just turn it into a destination place and people could come here and they could buy popcorn and I could put on concerts. And, you know, so <laughs> it's like I get ahead of myself. But um, for now, we're at least out there and in the spring we're gonna open up like another round of orders and stuff so that's very exciting that is that's really cool yeah thank uh, thank you yeah i really love popcorn and just the idea of all that sounds really great yeah well i'll have maybe i can get um diane's out of town right now but when she's back like this spring it's like we should make a bunch and bring it to blue ox and i'll oh, give like, everybody some popcorn. <laughs> Heck yes. yeah Ox pop. Yeah, Ooh, we should oh, make a special flavor, like a blue, like a blue pop or something. You know, um, what would the flavor of blue ox be? Bluegrass, Kentucky, 
Whiskey flavored popcorn? Bourbon. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be up for trying that. That's not a bad idea. I'll have to discuss it. Because, yeah, you could do like a, I mean, with bluegrass pop or what do you, could you call it blue pop or what would you call it? What kind of pop music is that? Like ox. Well, I mean, we have blue ox too, you know, like, I don't know. That's, there's a lot of possibilities there. I definitely cook on that. Okay. Yeah, well, get well, back to me with the title and then we will design a flavor and I'll start working on it. Oh my Sounds God. good. <laughs> If nothing else is achieved by this interview, we've we're taking over the world with popcorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's kind of the dream, but you know, I've noticed this in the past. Like I'm an ideas person. I have a lot of really good ideas, but I don't really always know how to practically put them into a motion. So <laughs> Well, the world needs streamers, you know, and the world needs idea people. And that that really that's much appreciated over here. I yep. was so true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, fun. I'm glad you guys are into it. Yeah. Good luck with the, with the venture. Definitely a great thing to uh, keep you busy. Yeah. Uh, let me fit in a couple of quick questions. Um, do you have any particular fond memories of venues or shows in Minneapolis? Yeah. Or like Wisconsin or Eau Claire area too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've never been to Eau Claire and I've heard it's really cool. So I'm looking forward to finally visiting. I was supposed to come there this summer and, and ended up not being able to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I played, I I have had a really fortunate experience that like I, early in my career, The Current and Rivers were like really playing my songs. And um, so pretty early on, like in the US, like the Twin Cities was one of my really best fan bases. So I've always gotten to play super awesome shows and have a really kind supportive fan base there um you know probably the first time we played basilica block party that was 2011 funny enough we actually stopped in decora my mom and i drove from the quad cities and stopped here on the way and and well then that's essentially where i live now so it kind of reminds me of that too like i was like this place is so cute i would i could totally see myself living here so side note but yeah i mean basilica black party 2011 and then that whole time was really kind of the beginning of me coming up there often i mean more recently and during covid um ice house has always been a place that i've loved to play and my band and i were able to do like a socially distanced 60 cap five show run on their patio in October. And that was like extra special. I mean, I actually started crying at the first show just to like actually be playing to people. And you could tell that people wanted to cry because it's like they just missed it so much, you know, like we'd been through so much and it's like, here we are like with a little sliver of, of normalcy. And it was a pretty emotional time. Felt really good to to play music with friends and in front of people again. Um, So that was pretty magical. Yeah, there's uh, there's going to be a lot of emotional release when we're all playing music with an audience again. There's going to be a lot of tears this year, I think. Tears of joy, of course. But... I know. It's going to be beautiful. Aside from aside from tears of joy, what else might we be able to expect from you at your Blue Ox performance this year? Uh, you're playing Friday, Friday at the festival, August 20th. Yes. Um, anything planned ahead this that far in advance or... Is it going to be kind of a typical performance? You know, I don't, nothing planned yet. Um, I mean, I always like to throw in a few covers for sure. So people can always expect that. Um, and then just like a sampling of my my songs through the years. Maybe by then I'll even have some some new songs ready to share. So 
Um, Great. Yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like I'm going to have to go into like training or something to get ready to play oh, shows again. I know, man. We, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be flying back into town to practice with these guys for a week, I think, before we hit the stage again. Oh, but you know, the second that you hit the stage, it'll be like riding a bike. What key is this in again? There might be a bit of that. There might be a little bit of chunk here and there. Who starts the song? <laughs> what, oh, what was that chord? Oh, it'll, it'll all be worth it for sure. Nobody nobody will care about your mistakes. You know, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be fun. I, it makes me happy just to think of like, you know, the, the band getting together to, to rehearse for a week. That's That in itself is going to be a blast. And then, yeah. then you're going to melt really, your faces. I think you're really going to enjoy the grounds too. Blue Ox is kind of a magical place. There's a bunch of pine trees and, and the, the concert bowl is, there's like this pond right next to it. I don't know. And it's just the vibe. I really think you're gonna you're really gonna enjoy it. We have a we we built a special thing out there, and uh, we're excited to have you. I am so excited. I'm I'm just honored to be asked. I'm I'm so excited. I really can't wait to to take part. And so many awesome bands are playing. I think it's going to be a really fun weekend. Yeah, we really look forward to the opportunity of being able to hang with you in person and and hear you perform. Absolutely, me too. And thanks for uh, thanks for chatting with us today too such a pleasure i can't wait to meet you both in person and hear you play it's gonna be fun thank you yeah thank you so much all right talk soon thanks yeah see you this summer i see you then bye all right folks well that's a wrap on this episode of road to blue ox like us on facebook follow us on instagram both the blue ox music festival and pertnier sandstone thank you so much to lissy for the great interview and here's a song to go out with one from her 2018 castles release a song called best days see y'all in the pines
Coming for me 